0: Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I really hope you're enjoying the sun wherever you are. I am. I've been going outside and really enjoying the sun, taking some fresh air. Had some health issues recently. My head hurts quite a lot. Some migraines, but all is fine now. And I've been thinking and being very grateful for what I have. And the moment I'm spending with you, I look forward to every Friday now because I know that you are gonna be tuning in and listening. Thank you so much for being here. Each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating young women and girls globally. So don't forget that. That's why next week, we're gonna be celebrating World Refugees Week. Most of you know how passionate I am about the refugees. We also can't forget that we are celebrating still Pride Month. I think that the world needs to be more inclusive, more diverse, more tolerant. The refugees are people just like you and me. Last week, I interviewed one of them. He's going to be coming next week to talk to all of us. I was so inspired, you know, being in this country for so long, seeing another person actually took their time, educate themselves, serving the communities and serving within our national health service really made me proud. Please tune in next week. You may listen to him. Wonderful human being. I I was so proud, as I said. But my guest this week is equally remarkable. She is from uh, Iran. She was born in Iran and grew up there and came to the UK when she was nine years old with her family. I've learned so much from her recently. She's doing wonderful work, actually, in empowering women, in investing in women and girls. She has spent millions of dollars in doing that but also participating on COVID-19, distributing PPEs, you know, really doing a wonderful work with NGOs and supporting marginalized communities all across the world. Her name is Naza Alakija. I was very impressed with Naza. We had a lovely conversation. She talked to me about her mother, who is the backbone of her existence. That was really beautiful to know. Naza has built herself in this country. She made it but she's paying it forward. I think one of the things I've learned really from her and from my other guests is that at one stage, when you have something, you need to give it back. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation about her philanthropy, the work she's doing and being her own agency, as she always said. So thank you so much. Enjoy the conversation and I will see you on the other side. I can't wait. Naza, how are you?
1: (laughs) Hi, my name is Naza Lakija. And I'm very excited to be speaking to you today, Mariam, on on everything, on life, on COVID, on work, on children, on family. So I look forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Let me tell you why we invited you on the podcast. I always say to my guests why I invited them. I got to meet you recently and uh, we met in London. I was so Excited to meet you. You have this aura around you, beautiful aura, just like, wow, I've never met someone like this before. Beautiful and the way you were well-spoken and kind and compassionate. And my son just loved you. <laughs> and it was really beautiful. And I think that the second thing that really attracted me about you was your humanitarian work, we will talk about in a minute, you know, your philanthropy work, and you've been on the ground, on the field to meet people who are extremely marginalized. So we had a a long chat and a long walk, and I will remember this moment forever. So that's why I wanted people to hear you and, and really listen to your voice and let's have a conversation. Naza, welcome. I Am Record podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today and your words, everything is super kind. You're too flattering. I should hang out with you more often. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So how was COVID-19 for you? Where where are you now? I'm in London at the moment. COVID-19, how was it? So as we're going into the second year, it feels like it's definitely been longer than two years. (laughs) It's been difficult to say the least, but I think at the same time, it's been life changing in the sense that it made me a lot more aware and empathetic of myself and as a person, as a human being, is tough but great. That's in in a nutshell. So, do
0: you have any tips for the girls and boys? Uh, what
1: lesson have you learned with COVID nineteen? I think really staying true. I think one of the biggest lessons for me is is, is staying true to yourself and executing things that you want to do today. We spend so much time planning and thinking about the future. And before we know it, it's it's, it's already the future. And we had all these grand plans about life, about what we want to do. So I think the one piece of advice I would, I definitely took from it. And I would give to anybody listening is, you know, execute today, do today. Of course, planning is very important. Thinking about your future is very important, but make sure you're executing as well.
0: Absolutely. When I met you, as I said earlier, I was really impressed with your background. I've learned that you travel all across the world to help the most marginalized in community. Would you mind just sharing with us where were you born? And, and you have an interesting background. I'm sure the girls will be very motivated and inspired to know who you are.
1: Yeah, of course. So I, I was born in Iran and at nine years old, me and my Mother and my brother, we moved to the UK when I was nine years old, and came with my mother and my brother. And it was very difficult because I came into a country where the first language was not Farsi; it was English, and I couldn't speak English. So I spent a great deal of time at school trying to a catch up with schoolwork and b learning the language to to catch up with the schoolwork. So you know, it was it was very difficult. You know, I was the only foreign kid in my class at the time and you know i didn't speak the language i didn't know the culture i didn't know the background and really settling in and you know making something of myself within that school was was very very challenging so but you know i think that at the same time played into me really sticking to my education and utilizing my education as something that i could use to communicate to to be to be relevant to be you know to be a part of something greater to be you know within the community anything it was it really made me latch on to my education that much more because of my experiences
0: you love education i can see that you are a well educated person but what motivates you to do what you do you know what keeps you awake every night
1: for me i think what really drives me is my own personal experience of of having to move from my home country at a very young age not having access, not having many opportunities and having to fight and push through some of those boundaries to making sure I I achieve and I'm caught up or, you know, a part of the society we were living in. And as a kid, I remember growing up very, very quickly, not really high, experiencing my youth as I, you know, as many 12, 13 year olds would, you know, I was really, a I had to think like an adult because it, you know, and as much as that's great, I, I want, I really want every single girl my age at 12, 13 to have experienced childhood the way they should have, to have experienced education um, or to be given the same opportunities that I was given as a kid. And I think that's my biggest motivating factor in life and in, in making sure that. All kids and all girls especially have this opportunity. I mean, at that age, you're really not aware of gender bias or discrimination, or you know, you kind of start to learn these things as you grow up and experiencing it, it is very tough, Mariam. It's not easy. And I think if we can, you know, create a world where young girls have access to opportunities, young young girls aren't discriminated against. They are given every single opportunity in life. Just like some of us have been blessed to be given, then we can create a better world. And I think a better world and a better society is what humanity should really be striving for.
0: No, no Absolutely. I love the fact that you are very focused on girls' education, but also on women and children's rights, which I've noticed and I've seen in your work. But when you think about that young 12 years old person, and you see today what is happening across the world, COVID-19 is destroying the world, India, UK, Brazil, I mean, you just name it. How do you feel about this? Because we're going to have more 12 years old girls, more 13 years old girls growing up so fast like you and I did, but they, will, they may not have the opportunity you and I have. What do you think about this? Does it does make you angry? What do you think?
1: I mean I think it's very disappointing because what we've seen is that really our communities and our societies are not resilient against shocks at all or any type of adversity we just we're not prepared so it really does beg the question what what are we doing in terms of international development that is you know providing not just providing growth for the sake of growth but actually providing equitable, solid growth across and within all societies. Uh, One thing that COVID really has shown is that it knows no boundaries. It knows no borders. So wherever you are in the world as a kid uh, and as a girl and as a woman, you were, you know, we've digressed. I saw a report, you know, last week from the World Economic Forum where they've stated that gender, gender equality has been set back by a generation. I mean, that's, that's a travesty. That's catastrophic. We, you know, we, this is not something that we should be taking lightly. This is something that of course, as you said, it keeps me, it makes me angry. It keeps me awake at night. And, you know, I have a, I have a young daughter. I mean, what kind of world am I setting? Uh, am I giving her? What am I bringing her into? If, if these are the standards and norms that we're living by today. So I think really reprioritizing some of our, some of the ways we're, deploying aid and international development. We really have to start thinking about how do we make ourselves more prepared and more resilient towards shocks.
0: The the other thing that I've noticed as well, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that when I met you, that's what I loved about you. I knew that you knew pain and difficulty and you want to go and help others, you know, you you understood your privilege and you want to make sure that girls and boys growing up across the world have a chance to survive, right? It's really tough. I also saw the other side of you, optimistic, vibrant, you know, really, really kind person. You know where you're going, you know your, your purpose. What is your purpose?
1: My purpose? I think my purpose is one, to be a good person. <laughs> I think my purpose as a whole would be to leave the world a better place than the one I found it in. And Right now, we are not on that track, but I am an optimist. and I do believe that we have the wealth of opportunities and and choices as change makers of the world to to provide you know, a different world, to make the world a better place, to think about things such as the climate crisis and how do we and that's one of the greatest things that I think has been, brought about by the coronavirus pandemic is that it has really instigated a lot of people to start talking about building back sustainably, building back, you know, with a greener world in mind. And, you know, it was the first year that I noticed so many people and so many organizations, TV shows, podcasts, so many people were paying attention to Earth Day. And it was really amazing to see because people have the the message is sinking in. And this is something that I'm really ecstatic about because, you know, it, it seems like, and especially with the younger generation, they are so passionate about their advocates, you know, their climate justice advocates, and they want a better planet. And I think as societies, we, you know, we should really be proud of the youth that are up and coming today and are fighting for their rights or are fighting for, an equal world and are fighting for a habitable planet. So that's something that I'm really optimistic about. I mean, we see a lot of contradicting information on the news, but I think that the world is waking up, maybe not fast enough, but I think that the world is waking up to it.
0: I do agree. Our young girls are climate change activists. And and, and I think what COVID-19 has also taught me is that people are starting to be aware that we need to take care of the climate. And I will talk about your foundation in a minute, but let me just uh, ask you something. You know, I've seen you work with UNICEF and, and so many organizations. Why do you do what you do? What is the story behind your philanthropic and humanitarian work? Because it's not everyone who cares about the world. <laughs> why do you care about the world? And and why, why are you involved in humanitarian and philanthropic world?
1: I touched on this just before and, adversity and shocks like a pandemic or natural disasters, these things, they know no boundaries, right? We are coming up to, I think the figure is almost at 100 million refugees, right? And those refugees, I mean, as we've seen in the UK, and not to make this about politics, but refugees are influxing all over Europe or all over the UK. And, you know, of course, people would much rather be in their home country, but making this a better world, where people have opportunities across the board, where people have opportunities to thrive within a society. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's our moral obligation. And I think if the pandemic did not open your eyes to that, then you really have to reassess where your values lie. Because, you know, my world is your world. Your world is my world. We we live on the same, we're neighbors. We're, you know, we're all in this together, as we've heard over the past two years so vehemently. So I think that's the most important way to think about this is why wouldn't you? Is more my question, not to answer a question with a question. No, 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 no. I love
0: what you said. Yeah. But
1: yeah, you know, why wouldn't you? I, I don't understand people that don't. So... I hope that that answered your question. (laughs) No, 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 it has, you know, it's really beautiful. And that would actually, you know,
0: our season, the the team, you know, this season four, uh, which we are so proud to have you on is the, is elevating humanity. And I think that it fits so well with your personality, but also the work you're doing. But when you when you think about you know all the stuff you've been doing recently and traveling and before COVID nineteen and going to Afghanistan and meeting, you know the most marginalized uh, in society, have you experienced a random act of kindness? How do you describe elevating humanity for you?
1: We all have a vested interest in elevating humanity, Mariam. It's we all we are all as I said we all live on one planet, and everywhere that I've traveled, there is no singular, random act of kindness that I've experienced. I've experienced it in everywhere within the places that I visited, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria, and the most marginalized, Mariam, I find that they're the most, the most kind. And of course, I don't want to make that sort of generalization, but, you know, every time despite, you know, especially within refugee camps, I've always been Invited to, you know, random acts of kindness, such as somebody giving me a cup of tea, somebody offering their food that's on their table. And within these marginalized communities, Mariam, it's very often that they have very little, yet they're still willing to invite you in. They're still willing to feed you and, you know talk to you and invite you into it. and these are things that I've really been humbled by and it really makes me think about treating people everybody equally across the board everybody no matter who you are as a person you have we it's our obligation to just treat everybody as one and be as one with every single person so you know I wouldn't say there was a single act of kindness that touched me i think generally seeing how humble some people are within these communities has definitely humbled me, you know, in in what I do.
0: It's fascinating you said that because a random act of kindness is so rare in the West now. I I was just looking at India, for example, how we have so many people dying in the UK. People are so slow in helping. And it's fascinating you said that. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have a message for young women and girls who are living in tough conditions. And then let's talk about your organization in, in a few minutes. What do you do within your foundation to support marginalized communities? I know you do a lot of work around climate change, gender equality, you know, putting helping refugees. Would you mind just sharing with us what your foundation does?
1: Yeah, of course. So just to answer your first question with regards to what would I, what was the message I would send to young girls and women? I was raised by a single mother. So I know the power of, of women and what a woman can do and what a woman can. I mean, I've met your son, Mariam, you've, you've raised him yourself and he's remarkable. And at his age, he speaks like a 40 year old man. And he's so mature, so ahead of his time.
0: You give him a piano. So he's going to become a musician, Naza, you know, it's like, uh, you never know what's going to happen, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I told him not to forget me when he does become a famous musician. <laughs> But but yeah, so I think, you know, really encouraging women amongst ourselves and reminding ourselves of the potential that we have as as women and as girls. And so one of the greatest things that I have learned within my work is seeing women in war zones, especially and in conflict zones the power that they've had in keeping their culture and societies alive. And I don't think we get enough credit for that as women, because obviously a lot of people become displaced. They live within the diaspora community and the work that women have done to keep their cultures alive, keep their societies alive and make the impossible possible for their children is really remarkable. And it really goes to show you the lengths and the strengths that women will go to to keep their daughters and sons for example, in education or to give them a job opportunity. And these are, this is, it really does come to show you the power of women and the power of girls. So, amongst ourselves, we have to constantly encourage one another. We have to constantly motivate one another and remind ourselves the power that we have because so much of you know, the patriarchal standards that have, that or norms that we live by today, we don't even notice, we forget. So I think that's a piece of advice that I would give to, to a lot of young women and girls is to keep and to remind ourselves, we're amazing, we are great, and we have the wealth, world of opportunities. With regards to some of the work that I do with Sage Innovation Center, you know, I, I didn't actually start off by thinking about gendered work i didn't look at things through a gendered lens at all because you know i think the the space there's a lot of conversation around it and you know i never really thought about it because my focal point of my work was focused around climate change and the impacts of the climate crisis on developing communities and on international development as a whole you know going back to what we said at the start our communities are not resilient and the sort of work that we're doing is getting unraveled because of the climate crisis. And once I started to travel a little bit more and, you know, get on the ground and meet a lot of people, I saw how, you know, for women and for younger, you know, some of the people that I met wouldn't send their girls to school, for example, because they thought that the only thing that they could do or, you know, was to get married and have a child. And of course, for some cultures, that's very important, especially within my own culture, that's important too. But I think focusing on, you know, these are things that made me think think about focusing on girls' education, focusing on women and elevate and giving women the tools necessary to make that happen. So, again, I didn't start off looking at things through a gendered lens, but the more I worked, the more I realized why as women we need to focus more on, on more women. <laughs>
0: No, no, I I do agree. And I love that about you. Do you mind sharing with our audience, how did you manage to get this stillness, this beauty and this elegance in really using your power, your influence as a philanthropist to just talk about the issues that we all care about?
1: Again, it goes back to why wouldn't you? I think that we all have this responsibility to to do that. And I think a lot of it is to do with your own self-work, right? If you as a person, if you don't invest in yourself, you can't invest in anybody else. If your tank is running on empty, you really can't give back to others. You can't support others. And giving yourself that time every day, whether it's through physical pursuits or whether it's through painting or finding whatever works for you, whether it's your faith, whether it's meditation, whether it's, and for me, I, I I love, I go, I'm heavily invested in my meditation. So one of the most important rules that I've set for myself is to make sure I, before I wake up, before I start getting on social media, before I start answering back emails. So before I do any of that, it's just to, you know, make sure I, w- I start my morning. I wake up, I meditate. I speak to my grandfather every single day. And that's the first hour of my morning is just waking up and making sure that, you know, I, I, I'm waking up with a clear head. And, you know, some days that doesn't happen so much. I'm not, you know, my daughter wakes up and something's gone wrong at school and work emails it. It doesn't happen every single day, but striving for that on most days is definitely something of value for everybody. So I definitely recommend that. 20, 30 minutes a day and I can share it with you, Mariam, see how you like uh, meditation take. So I guess it has helped
0: with your mental health and coping with, you know, pressure and adversity, but you are tough anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's been tough for everybody, right? One way or another, the uncertainty, I think, has been the most difficult part. And, you know, there was days where I cried. Uh-huh. There was days where my mom cried those days, my daughter cried. And, you know, it is very overwhelming. And I think Jeez. we forget the impact that it's had on our mental well-being. Uh-huh. Some days, I you know, I gave up hope because I just couldn't see the lights at the end of the tunnel. But then I think every single day, as things start to get better, it really made me start to think about, okay what do I do? How do I, how do I change things? How do I, Mm. because it it interrupted a lot of my work as well. I wasn't able to do things that I love, you know, meeting the people on ground and you to travel quite a lot. Yeah. So I used to really travel a lot between Afghanistan, Nigeria, the UK, you know, it's, it's been tough. You know, I think again, it really shaped this whole experience in the bigger picture has shaped My outlook is definitely a lot brighter now than it was, I don't know, in uh, January, February. And then in the UK, when we saw three, four hours of sunshine a day, (laughs) it was tough. But, you know, I think you, you start to learn from it and you every day take it a day at a time and take it easy and things like that.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, we teach our young women and I know you love technology. So we teach our young women and girls how to code. I do believe in investing in in women and girls. You know, I know you do believe as well. Why do you love technology? Do you code or shall we teach you how to code, Naza? I think you should come and (laughs)
1: learn. (laughs) I did a course on artificial intelligence, not last summer, the summer before at Oxford. And it was, we had, you know, a very basic coding was one of the modules. And So I'm not a pro at it. I would love to learn more from you or from the girls. I know the girls are are super coders. But I think, you know, one of the greatest things about technology and as we start to move into the fifth industrial revolution is really thinking about how do we give access, that access to everybody right i never used to think about technology as being the most important thing you know you go to some places within nigeria where people you know there's not any basic infrastructure so technology should really not it shouldn't be prioritized but i think with the covid pandemic it really highlighted why it's important for us to start thinking about things like the internet as a human right
0: i was going to ask you about your work around connectivity and the internet are you working around that right now I'm sure you must have seen so many devastating situations where people don't have access to connectivity. And uh, do you want to just share your work with uh, Giga and, and why do you think connectivity is important?
1: Yes, I think the pandemic really highlighted why we need to start thinking about the internet like it's water. It's a human right. It's everybody needs access to the internet because those that were left behind, those that didn't have access to it, have really struggled that much more and the pandemic kept so many kids out of school and the ones that didn't have access to the internet, they've been left behind and, you know, some of these kids won't be going back to school. And again, that's, that's awful. So, you know, one of the projects that I work on with UNICEF is the GIGA project, and it's basically aiming to connect every single school in the world to the internet. And this procurement's actually being tested in Rwanda as of two months ago now to see how school connectivity can drive community connectivity. And I think it's projects like this that really get to the root of the problem. And I think if we give equitable access to the internet, to technology, to every single person, then you don't even know what humanity is capable of. You know, you have the robotics team in Afghanistan. They utilized old car parts from the Toyota cars and they made hand-operated ventilators, right? So I think by looking at things like this, if women and girls especially are given the tools to utilize technology, are given access to connectivity, then you have no idea what we're capable of doing. It's remarkable. And despite whatever adversity they've faced, they continue to thrive. And I think giving that opportunity is the most important thing. And it's projects like GIGA that focus on the root of the problem. So you're not just handing out aid. It's not just... You know, it's actually, it's development.
0: No, actually, I was going to talk to you about this and see how at I Am The Code, we can really get the girls to have access to to this Giga. It's just so beautiful. I sit on the board of the Web Foundation, and actually yesterday, we talked about Giga and and talked about the 50% of the world don't have access to connectivity. And so it's really fascinating. We are talking about this. But let me ask you, you have a few more questions left. When you visualize 2030, you're now a speaker, you work with amazing foundations, use your power to motivate and fundraise for organizations, including yours. When you visualize 2030, what do you see, Naza?
1: Well, first, first of all, I, I hope we see a, a pandemic-free world. <laughs> I really do hope we we see the end of this, you know, this crisis because it has had such a catastrophic impact on on so many people across the world. I see a greener world. I see a more gender equal world. I see more women in politics. I see better leadership. And yeah, I think. More women in power. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Are we going to vote for you, Naza? <laughs> but let me ask you one more question. So who's
0: your, I know you talk to your grandfather every morning. Who's your mentor? Who does mentor? You, you love, you know, you inspire so many, many people, but who's your mentor?
1: My mom is, she she deserves all the credit in the world because she did everything to raise me and my brother and my two little sisters. They she really invested herself and her life in making sure we had a great life. And, you know, I learned so much from her. She, you know, she she doesn't stop and she doesn't take no for an answer. So she really fought for us. And I think a lot of my traits I I definitely get from her, which kind of when you put us both in one room doesn't always exactly (laughs) turn out well. But, you know, we're so alike. She's the most remarkable woman. And I think she deserves all of the credit in the world for for, my education, for making sure I you know i stuck to my education i stuck to my values and my culture and you know and just being a good person all around and it's really a credit to her
0: what is the one thing you want to say to your mom now if she's listening
1: <laughs> uh, you're remarkable i don't think i say it enough to her she's an amazing human being she's an amazing mother and she made me who i am so you know you you are remarkable
0: you know, it just, my eyes are just watering there just to hear that, you know, it's it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful that you give uh, this homage to your mother. Well, Naza Alakija, you know, I am so happy to have you on this podcast. You are remarkable and, and at I Am The Code. And my me personally, I'm so glad that, you know, our path has crossed this year. And I mm-hmm. want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the I Am The Code podcast. And thank you for everything you are doing for humanity. I think there's more for you to come. The world will hear you and I have, you have so much going on. And uh, we pray that God bless you and, and you can help other people. Thank you for coming on the podcast and God bless you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mariam. It's been a pleasure.
0: I bought a book recently from Dr. Shefali. Her book is just wonderful. It's called The Radical Awakening. And listening to Naza and listening to all my guests this week, It's truly inspiring how people can build themselves. You are the architect of your life. No one else is. You are responsible for your life, as I always say. You must take your life and build it. The only thing I've learned this week is that you must encourage yourself. Sometimes things may be hard and you want to give up. You sabotage yourself and you sabotage other people. You think you're doing it for other people, but you're actually doing it yourself. Your reputation matters. Making sure you're accountable, you're reliable, you're consistent absolutely matters. Reach out to people. If you're not sure about something, reach out to people. Ask for help. Don't wait until things get worse. Make sure you call out your friends or people I'm sure they will help you. Also, give credit where credit is due. If someone has helped you, try to help someone else or at least acknowledge them publicly. It's called sharing, called loving one another. It's called supporting each other. I think right now in this world, we need people to be respectful, loving, caring, have empathy, compassion, and kindness. You have been listening to the I Am The God podcast. I'm your host, Mariem Jam. I am absolutely delighted to be here with you every single Friday. It's my joy to be here with you. Thank you for your feedbacks. Please come back again soon for another I Am The Code episode. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. I am sure someone out there can benefit from this amazing content. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, as you know, but we are dedicated in making sure you have access to beautiful content like this one so you can be better and do better. If you feel that you want to donate to I Am The Code, please don't hesitate. Every dollar counts. We support you and we want to make sure You support our women and our girls globally. Thank you so much for elevating humanity. Thank you for being here and I wish you a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much and I will see you next week. Goodbye.